Welcome to Trine Days of the Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorres. With us is Wayne Madsen, a Washington, D.C.-based investigative journalist, author, and columnist whose work can be found at waynemadsenreport.com. His Trine Day books are Overthrow a Fascist Regime on $15 a Day, The Internet Irregulars versus the Powers that Be, and Jaded Tasks, Brass Plates, Black Ops, and Big Oil, the Blood Politics of George Bush and Company. And we'll soon see his upcoming book, The Rise of the Fascist Fourth Reich, The Era of Trumpism and the Far Right. Wayne and Chris, it's great to be with you both. Good to be here. You know, I was very impressed with a couple of your latest reports, and I, I'm going to recommend people, you know, go to WayneMatsonReports.com and, you know, uh, join it. And, and he uh, puts out uh, several reports a week, and they're uh, very, very uh, timely and very, very interesting. And I'd like you to expand a little bit on one of your most recent ones about uh, Donald Trump and this uh, fascist uh, uprising around the world. I think one of the most egregious cases of, of Trump and foreign uh, fascists uh, in an alliance is his relationship with Bolsonaro in Brazil. Uh, we know that Steve Bannon, who still maintains good uh, close links with uh, Trump, uh, has been involved in trying to do in Brazil what they try to do here. Uh, Bolsonaro is a dictator or would-be dictator. He still has a Congress and a Supreme Court to deal with, but his son Eduardo, who's a member of the Chamber of Deputies in Brazil, took part in the crazy cyber symposium in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where the pillow guy, uh, the My Pillow guy was there with Bannon and he was, uh, Bolsonaro's son was uh, stating that uh, they're going to try to do in Brazil what Trump tried to do here is, it's expected that Bolsonaro will not be reelected next year. And they're trying to say that the election will be stolen by uh, the former president, Inacio uh, Lula da Silva. Uh, he's, he's a leftist, he's very popular. He's more popular than Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro is a guy on, on the record praising Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini and Donald Trump. So we have Bolsonaro's son involved in our politics, Bannon and uh, Trump's uh, former communications director, Jason Miller, um, have been involved in an attempt by Bolsonaro to uh, get his uh, masses uh, just this past weekend to storm the Brazilian uh, Supreme Court and the Congress. And uh, Miller was actually detained for a short time. Uh, there, there was uh, other Republicans uh, at what was called CPAC Brazil. And this is Bannon's doing. Bannon is an international fascist. He tried to set up an academy uh, to train fascists at a 13th century monastery in Italy due to the pressure from the Italian government and Pope Francis. That never happened. And now we know that Tucker Carlson, who's part of this fascist movement, uh, recently uh, attended a seminar at a uh, 
a college in uh, Hungary where he praised their fascist dictator. And uh, it looks like this uh, Corvinius College is now replacing the Italian uh, training uh, academy to just pump out future fascist leaders. Where, where is that college? Uh, it's not in Budapest. It's actually outside of Budapest. Uh, uh, but uh, it's called uh, uh, Corvinius College. And there's also strong links between a former Trump White House official named Sebastian Gorka and, and these Hungarian fascists. When Trump was inaugurated in January 2017, Gorka showed up wearing a tunic that is basically the uniform of the old Arrow Cross, which was the Nazi movement in Hungary during World War II. They don't hide the fact of what they are, and that includes Bannon. And uh, that's why I think, you know, th th they're very dangerous. That's why I thought your report was, was, was so very important, because, you know, I've been reading these things uh, for a couple of years where uh, people have been saying, well, you know, uh, a democracy isn't you know, it, it isn't stable enough there, there, you know, there's, there's just too many problems there. We, you know, they, they need a, a strong man to, to, to run yeah. things. I guess <laughs> the old saw, well, you know, if you don't learn from history, yeah. well, uh, it just, I find it amazing how we're, we aren't learning from history. You know, you look at a guy like Tucker Carlson. I remember when his father, Dick Carlson, Dick Carlson was the head of the um, U.S. Information Agency, Voice of America, during the Reagan administration. And he, uh, and I remember Dick Carlson once at the National Press Club, he asked me uh, who I was with and said, oh, have you heard of my son, Tucker? He was, you know, wanting to know if I had any, if there were any positions available. Uh, where I worked. And I said, no. At that time, Tucker was only working for Bill Crystal's Weekly Standard and I think the National Review. But I also, I go back and look at Dick Carlson's time at the Voice of America when he was employing a lot of expats who came to the United States after World War II from Eastern Europe. They were hired because of their language abilities and they were of course, spouting propaganda uh, back to the Iron Curtain. But all, almost all of them had backgrounds with the Nazis in occupied East Europe from Ukraine and Hungary and Poland, uh, Bulgaria, Romania. And uh, so Tucker grew up in this fascist sort of household. I'm beginning to think that the, the armistice or the unconditional surrender uh, by the Germans in World War II wasn't really a surrender, but a ceasefire. Well, you know, I don't you, think that war has ever ended because. Well, yeah, you you had Dulles, you know, uh, creating yeah. a a surrender um, the day before the official surrender uh, yeah. with with Wolf, and then you had uh, Galen uh, organization mm -hmm. come over, and and I mean he. He signed a thing that says, okay, yeah, I'll work for you, but my loyalties are uh, to uh, to Germany. And yeah, and then you had the Odessa organization that was getting, you know, Nazis out into South America. 
right. uh, who were wanted for various crimes. Many of them settled in Brazil and Argentina. And that's what's interesting because Bolsonaro has been discovered to be very close and his father was very close to some of these, uh, you know, Nazis from Germany and fascists from Italy that went into Brazil. Right, and you, you have this whole, uh, you know, the story of, uh, of Nixon basically getting his job because he was blackmailing the Dulles brothers. Oh, because he discovered that they were bringing in thousands of Nazis against direct written orders from Harry Truman. And then of course you have uh, uh, Angleton who, who basically uh, also got his job by um, blackmailing the Dulles brothers and that the Dulles brothers says, well, you know, we've got 60, 70 of our friends here that really don't need to go uh, through your background checks. And remember what party this was, it's still the Republican party. Right. Yeah, they may have had guys like Rockefeller, you know, more liberal, moderate. Something interesting I discovered too is, you know, Joseph McCarthy, after the war, we had war crimes trials, including for the, the SS troops that committed the massacre at Malmody uh, of US uh, uh, prisoners. And uh, they, were, they were found guilty and they were given a death sentence. And McCarthy's on record saying, I, he said, well, I think that's too extreme. Wait a minute. These SS troops were found guilty of massacring US troops who had surrendered. And, and McCarthy's saying, that's too extreme. McCarthy was from Wisconsin. The John Birch Society was founded in Wisconsin. Ron Johnson, who's trying to, I think he's trying to take McCarthy's place. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, so people say that the Republican Party has changed. One thing in the my book, upcoming book is, I'm suggesting it really hasn't. Uh, the only thing that may have changed is they're more prone to street violence than they were in the past. But uh, it's, it's still the same ideological far-right Republican Party. Now we have George W. Bush, and I was no great fan of his, but he, he likened he likened these uh, January 6th insurrectionists to uh, Al-Qaeda on, on, on the uh, 20th anniversary. And we have, uh, you know, Dick Cheney uh, and Liz Cheney, his daughter, Liz Cheney, claiming that the party's gone too far right. I mean, this is, this is Dick Cheney's daughter. If, if they're saying this, that's, that's the real red alert <laughs> of how far they've gone. And, and who was, you know, uh, MacArthur's uh, main lawyer there, but uh, Mr. Roy Cohn. Okay. Uh, McCarthy, yeah, Roy Cohn, who, who goes back a long time with Donald Trump and Roger Stone. They, those, they were called the Three Amigos back in the 70s because they were always seen at the same nightclubs in Manhattan, uh, including some that had a um, reputation for being gay, gay nightclubs. Well, you know, it's a uh, not not that there's anything wrong with those nightclubs, but to hear Donald Trump and uh, Roger Stone uh, trying to sound holier than thou is kind of laughable. You know, I, I, it's been a, a positive mind, you know, for for quite a while that the uh, you know uh, there's been these secret societies that have been able to influence our, our government quite a bit and influence our body politic. And one of the things that they have done has been to 
um, oh, put a Republican in for you know a while, and then we put in a Democrat, then we put in a Republican, then we put in a Democrat. Um, uh, for a, a lot of different reasons, for, for propaganda, for, for affecting uh, the generations. And then also it, it kept us very destabilized because just think where we would have been if uh, FDR would have been able to get in all of his uh, uh, initiatives. Yeah, because Harry Truman definitely was farther to the right than um, FDR. And, and the other thing is, what if FDR had not dropped Henry Wallace as the right. vice president? Wallace, of course, ran in 48 on the progressive ticket against uh, Truman, Strom Thurmond, the Dixiecrat, and Tom Dewey, the Republican. Right, right. So now, uh, uh, COVID, you know, I, let's get into COVID here a little bit. And I, I realize it's a uh, quote unquote controversial subject to a lot of people out there. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, COVID isn't being used uh, with people with agendas, but most definitely, you know, uh, there is a, uh, a disease out there and it is uh, uh, killing people and, and doing things to them. And uh, what's your what's your thoughts about COVID? About 10, 10 years ago, when we had the um, uh, issue with the H one N one, that was the um, uh, virus that was uh, well, kind of started in Mexico. Never really affected us, but um, I looked at that and discovered that there were was you there were labs in the u.s uh, biosecurity level four university of wisconsin at madison uh fort dietrich in maryland and a few others that were involved uh in recombining the dna from the 1918 so-called spanish flu it didn't start in spain it started in the trenches in france but but the 1918 flu that killed you know, well over 100 million people worldwide. Uh, they, the researchers had finally obtained usable DNA from the corpse of an Inuit teenage girl who died in Brevig Mission, Alaska in 1918, but her body had been preserved enough for them to recover some of the influenza, 1918 influenza DNA. And then they started recombining it with other viruses. I thought that was extremely dangerous uh, research. And uh, I wrote about it. I had people involved in the research were like whistleblowers and told me how this was being done. They never really told me why it was being done. And my fear was that they were violating the 1972 Biological Warfare Convention that we signed with uh, the Soviets and Britain to ban that kind of research. Uh, fast forward just a, a couple years, maybe a, a year or two after I, I uh, wrote about this research, President Obama, to his credit, all of a sudden issued an executive order saying there will be no more uh, recombine, uh, research into recombining virus uh, and DNA strands uh, by the US government. And that applied to Dietrich and all the other laboratories, including the federally financed labs at the University of Wisconsin and others. So 
uh, I thought that was a very important thing that he did. And the one and the first one of the first things that Trump did after becoming president is he he reversed that he canceled that executive order. Now we had we had people over at the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, on loan from the uh, State Department through the our embassy in Beijing. They were actually resident in that laboratory, but Trump, in another foolish act, he canceled that program and had these people return to the United States. I mean, Trump is an idiot, always has been an idiot, he'll always be an idiot. But I, I'm very concerned about some of the people in his inner circle um, who may have had some interest in creating a crisis. And it is a crisis. I, I, I know several people who have died from COVID. Uh, I know people who have died of what sounded like COVID, but the official death certificate gives other reasons. But, you know, if somebody dies because their lungs filled out with fluid and that was pneumonia and for, you know, these uh, hospitals to then state that, well, I had not, it, it wasn't COVID when that's really how everybody's dying. They're dying of, of pneumonia caused by COVID. Um, I'm wondering if the, some of the numbers, like here in Florida, we have Ron DeSantis, who is a just a congenital liar that I, who I can't believe ever served as a U.S. Naval officer. Uh, I can't believe he's still serving in the U.S. Navy Reserves as a lieutenant commander because his, act, his actions have been really criminal, uh, lying about the number of dead, being against... Uh, the use of masks in public schools, getting involved in, you know, he's not a doctor. He wasn't even a very good naval officer. One of the things I wrote about today is I'm demanding he release all of his officer fitness reports from the time he was in the Navy, which was from, uh, from 2002 up uh, on active duty till 2010. I, I don't think he had the uh, leadership qualities to be at a successful naval officer. He's the kind of guy that uh, we, we had him in the Navy back when I was in. They were um, showboats, blowhards, uh, ass kissers, brown nosers. Uh, they didn't do anything. They didn't, they were not leaders. They didn't have any leadership skills. They were only out for themselves, sort of like Trump, but he was never in the military. Let me, let me ask you, what, what do you think of Afghanistan? Oh, I think I, I really give Biden a lot of credit for getting out of there. Uh, it's too bad Obama didn't listen to him back during the, uh, his administration because Biden wanted to get out then, except Hillary, Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, um, had a lot of influence uh, and she did not want us to leave Afghanistan. Biden was right back then. Uh, unfortunately, he's been he was handed a lot of this mess by Trump, who signed this deal with the Taliban. I think it's the first time that the U.S. has ever, except for maybe uh, Jefferson sign, signing a treaty with the Barbary pirates who were the terrorists of their time. I think it's the first time the United States ever signed an official treaty with uh, a designated terrorist organization. What are your thoughts about how we got into Afghanistan in, in the... Oh, you know? well. 
I still can't find any Afghans on the list of hijackers on 9-11. I can't find any Iraqis on that list. I, I find 15 Saudis, uh, one Egyptian and a couple Yemenis. You know, I, I covered this in Jada Tass. In 1998, the Taliban were, were being wined and dined in Houston, Texas by Unical because they wanted to build a pipeline from Turkmenistan through Afghanistan to Pakistan to India, TAPI pipeline, TAPI. The guy that had arranged for that was Zalmay Khalilzad, who was a consultant for Unical. He's the guy that is the diplomat that got together this deal that uh, Trump worked out with the uh, Taliban and Qatar. So let's, it's the same players. Right. Let's go back even farther about, you know, the uh, uh, when the uh, Soviets came in and, and, you know, we started doing the yeah. Mujahideen oh, yeah. and Charlie Christian's or Charlie Wilson's war. What, what's your thoughts about all of that stuff that happened then? Well, it even started back. Yeah, it started under the Carter administration with Brzezinski the National Security Advisor, whose daughter is now has this uh, morning program on MSNBC, which, you know, there's never any sort of like a conflict of interest uh, statement with these people. Sort of like Wolf Blitzer used to be the public affairs officer for the America-Israel Public Affairs Committee. You never see anything mentioned about that when he's interviewing some Israeli government leader. You know, Afghanistan then, even though it was socialist, it wasn't part of the Warsaw Pact. Women had all the rights as men. There was full equality. The mullahs were, I mean, they remained in their mosques. It was, it was a very advanced country then. And then we decided, uh, well, we got to go change that and start arming, including with Stinger's shoulder, uh, shoulder-held surface-to-air missiles, the, these you know, future members of Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and now I guess some of them are in the Islamic State. Not, not, a, not a very wise move. Well, so wh where are you going to uh, find uh, good news these days? Where, where are you finding the best place to find uh, good information? Certainly not from any of the cable TV outlets. Uh, uh, I, I think some of the... Uh, Foreign press is still pretty reliable. The Guardian uh, out of the UK, Deutsche Welle in Germany. We got a Canadian election coming up. I, I'm looking more at, you know, like the, the, Toronto, the old Toronto Globe and Mail uh, on that. There's a potential Trump uh, running for prime minister up there. And there's also a, a far-right neo-Nazi party running in Canada. I'm going to be interested to see how how they do as far as percentages. Because even in this country, and we've seen some really far right people elected to the House as Republicans, I'm thinking Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, uh, they won they won with like 60 over 60% of the vote. You know, when you I'm looking at like what what percentage did the Nazis get in the 20s in Germany? They were coming in at three, four, five percent move the clock up to 1932 and 33, they're, they're up in the 30-35% range, even higher in places, some uh, provinces in Germany. So uh, I'm very concerned that anytime these neo-Nazis get on the, uh, the ballot, just because they, they may finish 
in the single digits doesn't mean that they can't build on that. Uh, and I think that should be a worry for everybody. Well, you know, and there's also, there's, there's uh, a lot of, uh, you know, news out there on uh, the internet, including your uh, site, uh, Wayne Matson Report. Is there any other uh, internet uh, people that uh, you tend to uh, go to to look and see what they're saying? Uh, yeah, I think ProPublica is pretty good. They do a lot of good exposés. Now with a lot of local newspapers folding up, you know, about 10 major newspapers collapse every year in the United States. Uh, I see a lot of websites now doing local news or at least state news. And, and I think that's a good sign. Uh, I've seen independent, very good uh, websites covering Mississippi, for example. Uh, uh, Texas, the Texas Tribune. I mean, what's going on there is outrageous with the uh, uh, Abbott and Dan Patrick and this criminal attorney general they have, Ken Paxton. And here in Florida, we have uh, a newspaper, the Florida Phoenix. We have the Fort Lauderdale Bulldogs. So what's happening is that local or state-based websites are kind of assuming the role of covering legislative hearings various commissions, the meetings of commissions, and I think even down to the school board level, because school boards are being attacked right now by uh, crazies like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters. So it's nice to see some independent journalism uh, covering those issues. Do you have uh, hope for the future? What, what, what do you see uh, down the road? I, I, I'm wondering now if maybe some people are getting tired of uh, the uh, clown show of Donald Trump. I mean, he chose, he chose not the 20th anniversary of 9-11 to basically emcee a, a goofy boxing match at a casino in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, and before he did that, he spoke at a Sung Myung Moon Reunification Church video conference where he praised the late Sung Myung Moon and his widow, who now runs the show as very fine people. Where have we heard that before? That's what he said about the Nazis marching in Charlottesville. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe, uh, you know, uh, the attention span of the American public is so short that maybe he's now going the way of uh, other fads like pet rocks, hula hoops, Furbies, and that uh, he, he it, maybe in a year he'll be just a, an outdated fad nobody's interested in, except for his hardcore supporters. Uh, there was a, a Trump rally uh, where Michael Flynn and the pillow guy and uh, they had it in Kentucky. It was Saturday night. They expected 10,000 people. I think 200 showed up. I'm thinking maybe this is the future. I, I hope it's the future. Wayne, I really appreciate you coming on and onwards. And thank you, Wayne, very much. Okay, good to be with you. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. You too.